Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, the day after Simchas Teretz Yisrochag, and it's uh, late in the morning, and I want to do, so we're starting already with uh, a few days into the week, and uh, I have sponsored for the uh, for the Parsha Naftorah, so let me attack the Parsha first, uh, which is being sponsored by uh, Dr. Leibowitz, Martin Leibowitz, uh, who was in my show the other day, he's, he's a very nice person, it's his son is a Israel Mayor Leibowitz. Downs by this once in a while a very popular Magad Shir, let's put it that way, in Baltimore. Uh, he gives a Dafyam, he's a Rebbe, and so forth. Very nice person. And uh, this is, therefore, Martin Leibowitz's father's yard site. Uh, my father's first, oh, my father's first yard site. Oh, he died a year ago, okay. Uh, 24 Tish or Yisruchag. Oh, I didn't realize that. This is, so Zechon Nishmas Ben Yom and Zeben Rav. Baruch Leibowitz, who was a PhD, taught psychology and sociology in universities for decades, he said. Very learned person. And I asked him where did he do his uh, career. He got his PhD in UCLA, so that's a serious place. And he taught in Roosevelt University in Chicago for decades. He also taught, did research at University of Illinois. So this is a Chicago story. Um, I did not know him, of course. Uh, Roosevelt University is that liberal place. That the uh, Jews and the liberals started, I guess, you know, back in the New Deal times. Is that right? And uh, anyway, so this is Zeke uh, Nishmaso. And since he clearly was an educated person, academic, so my attention was therefore drawn <clears throat> to an academic subject. To tell you that Umparsha's Breaches, which you know is gigantic and limitless. Uh, and what are you going to talk about? Mice and Breaches? You're going to talk about Adam and Eve? You're going to talk about Kind of Hevel? I mean, you know, my goodness, it's all over the place. So you, you, for a podcast, certainly you can only pick out an Akuda. And I was doing the Schneimaker Vecha Targum last night this morning. And for some reason, my attention focused, maybe because subconsciously I was thinking about the Leibowitzes, uh, on a Pasuk I usually don't pay attention to. You know, that's what they tell you in school. I tell my students also, which is if you have to write a paper or something like that, just read something. When you see something that strikes your uh, fancy, so it seems a little unusual, Make a note of it, and that's what you concentrate on. So here we have the story of Adam and Eve, and my attention was drawn this morning to something I don't think I ever paid much attention to, and that's after the story of eating from the Garden of Eden. So Hashem, uh, in chapter um, in Paragimel Pasuk uh, Test 12, uh, so God is blasting everybody, says to Adam, because you sinned, you'll have mortality, and to Eve, because you sinned, bats have tailed upon him, and so forth. And to the Nocha, she says, in Pasig I'll turn you into a slithery thing and you'll eat dust. Uh, and then he throws in something which seems a bit somewhat extraneous. Uh, I never paid much attention to it. Where he says, I'll put an enmity between you and Eva. You'll be Oyvim. Ben Cho Ben Isha. 
So the Vilnagon famously says, I'm going to make sure this never happens again, that, that you will tempt Chava into doing another sin, because I'll make you repulsive. Which is just interesting, because Chava gave in to him, because obviously before this curse, the Nochash was attractive. Everybody knows the Nochash didn't look like it does now, and so whatever it looked like, it looked attractive. But now I'm going to turn you into something which is hideous and repulsive, and therefore, you know, no slithery snake, you know, with a sis with a hissing and all that, is going to tempt a woman to do something evil. Um, that, by the way, that's just interesting. In other words, you're going to use aesthetics, perhaps, to uh, prevent uh, a restoration of the evil. Who you shoot? But here's the part that uh, uh, grabbed me. Who you shoot? Chavoshvi, I taught to Shveno Cave. He, in other words, the Zera of 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 Chava, the human beings, will stamp on your head. They'll crush you. That's how you kill a snake, right? Uh, stamp on the head. And you will uh, uh, strike him at the heel. Rashi famously, you know, all the Mepharshim, like, what's Yeshuv There's a lot of these words in Bracious in these places where they're very unusual words. And Rashi has his own kind of unusual way of approaching things. So Yeshuv Rashi says, which will crush it, because you see in Dvarim, Pertes, Rashi says, uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu describes the fact that he crushed the uh, the golden calf, he, he pounded it to dust. Think about that. He took a golden calf and pounded it to smithereens, to dust. Uh, which is quite a scene. I mean, you keep smashing and smashing and smashing and smashing and smashing until it's dust. Dakla uh, offer, little dust. Thin dust. So, there, Vakosa Saint Tev. The targum is v'shafis yosei. So you see, shafis yishufenu is crushing, uh, which is just an interesting uh, association of the sin of Adam and Eve with with the sin of the golden calf. You know what I mean? In other words, if Rashi's right, then you're using a word which is done in Aramaic over there, but it has in common that you you know Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu is crushing physical crushing of the golden calf of the actual statue of the golden calf be somewhat analogous to crushing the snake. Uh, and you, the snake, and your other snakes, the Shemenego, you bite them in the heel. Okay? Uh, be, and Sarashi says, because you'll be slithering. So how are you going to get him? You know, uh, You know, you'll be able to only bite man in the heel. Okay, fine. I mean, I get that. But what's the shot? Now, I'll tell you what, what caught my attention. And that is... Uh, are we talking about simply man and the the, uh, the thing called a snake? Uh, you know, which is a creature, or what do you call it, a reptile or something? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, so the snake did it. You could read it that way. Long ago, the snake did something really bad. And ever since then, the snakes have been reduced to this slithery, ugly uh, kind of business. Although, to tell you the truth, talk to a scientist. You know, somebody's into snakes and all that. So, oh, this is beautiful, you know. I mean, people are into that, and I don't follow Sesame Street and something. I bet you nowadays the kids have snakes. I mean, I've seen those that they consider to be, you know, cute and things like that. I wasn't raised that way, but, you know, I see kids going around with snake uh, toys and things like that. Uh, so is that what it means? Uh, and remember, in the old days, you know, let me put it this way. You and I, most people listening to this, 
unless you're in some kind of a farm somewhere, maybe in Israel, you don't see too many snakes. And if you do, it's, it's one too many. Um, there are ha- snakes that hang around houses and things like that. And I've seen a, a couple. As a matter of fact, it's funny. I just saw one last week, a little one in the grass. But usually in the urban environments, you don't see the snakes too often. But our ancestors lived in a more rural kind of contexts, And there you see snakes uh, much more often. In the Middle East, uh, definitely much more often. So it's just like a very interesting kind of business. Now, um, here's the point. So you could read this as the result of the original snake being different and then causing the sin of Adam and Eve. But it's also true that the story of Adam and Chava is not only a story that happened, a historical story, at least according to just about everybody. I mean, I've seen people say the Rambam says it's a metaphor. I never saw that exactly in the Rambam. And that doesn't mean when he says something, a metaphor, even if he said it, which I never saw exactly, uh, that it means that means it's a metaphor as opposed to it didn't happen. When you deal with a story in the Torah, it's at different levels. I'm serious. This is not just some me business. This is the truth. Um, and you can understand something metaphorically. You can understand something literally. You can understand something this way. And one is not necessarily a fuki of the others. That's a common mistake you see on uh, people that always try to get into these sorts of things or like to get into these debates and uh, so forth. You have to understand the stories of the Torah have a plain level. They do. But they also have more than a plain level. And sometimes, depending on who you are and what your circumstances and your particular life situation and who you are and when you live, uh, the literal story might be of more interest or more um, relevance to you. Or the allegorical one may possibly be more interest to you. And it's not, you know, one's right and one's wrong. It's people are different. You, I'm telling you, you sowed here. People are different. And the Torah speaks to them at different times in different places. And everybody knows you're not supposed to read the Torah when you're 50 the way you read the Torah when you're 5. And uh, I don't mean that necessarily in a more left-wing way or in a more right-wing way. It's just a different way. For Plony, it'll be that by the time they're 50, they'll read it in a more right-wing way. And for Almoni, they'll read it in a more left-wing way. But that has to do with who they are. So don't confuse, as I think most are apt to do, your subjective uh, understanding of the Torah with the objective understanding of the Torah. It's a very con- in my mind, I, mean, just, I can only tell you my opinion, in my mind it's a common fallacy. So when we get to the story of Adam and Eve, there's no question it has a larger meaning than simply the story of Adam and Eve and the snake. And as you know very well, the Nachash is also supposed to be Yetzirah, uh, the original temptation of Eve and the eating of the uh, Tree of Knowledge this is also understood as the Yitzhahara. You get it? And the Yitzhahara is part of us. So that's the part that really strikes me. How do you understand this? How is there eternal enmity between between the Yitzhahara and, and the children of Eve and the human race? Uh, uh, I was thinking about this because I looked at the uncles. I happen to have that uh, set, you know... Uh, with the red cover from Rabbi Wagner and whoever it is, and um, it's always a little bit on them, uh, definitely on the left wing side, but uh, there's a good translation at the top, and Don Klaus translates like this. I don't have the art school one. 
I know the art school is putting out uncles to knock this set out. I never got the art school one. Uh, the Ava, listen closely, uh, because the uncle is, uh, definitely departs from the Pashup shop. And when that happens, that's something uh, interesting. The Rambam, you will perhaps remember, in the Mordechai says that Unclus, having been a guy who converted to Judaism, and an educated one, uh, an educated pagan, was exquisitely aware of the dangers of polytheism and uh, anthropomorphism and things like that, and reading the biblical accounts, and always takes the trouble, or usually takes the trouble, to... Uh, translate or put a targum, the translate is not a good word, but a comment, a, a, another way of rendering the words uh, to bavorn a literal me- reading. Anyway, if you read over here in the uh, Evo Ashis, Ben Chomene Asha, Sanonkla says, Udavavo Ashabe Bena Chomene Itso Beno Bena. So that's a plain translation. I'll put hatred between you and your and the snakes and, and your children. And then it says, like this, Hu Yeshuv Chorosh, we are taught to Shemano Cave. Which we, plain meaning is, who Yeshu Chorosh, he will smash you in the head, and you will smash him or bite him in the heel. So Uncle says, who yehei dochir lochmad da'avadatei sofa. He will always remember what you did to him in ancient times, and you will notirle, will watch for him or watch out for him to the end of time. That's a clear departure from the Pashup shot. So what's going on over here? Because we're dealing with the futuristic prophecies. We're told the story of Adam and Chava and the, and the snake and everything to tell you the subsequent progress of mankind, which is, you all know, got all screwed up. The plain idea of the world, Bereshis, Borel, Kim, Yisrael, Shenikoreshis, all those are Midrashic ways of saying that the world was supposed to be um, a utopia, but the world certainly is not a utopia. And to explain why a perfect God made something is not a utopia, you have to come on to Adam and Eve's story and how they screwed up and this is all a result of that and they're expelled from Eden and they gave in to the snake and so forth and so on. And the aftermath of that story <clears throat> is they're expelled from Eden but they're all punished in their own way and the snake, uh, all three get the punishments but then as they said before, after each one gets his own punishment, man, woman, and snake, then you have like a general Pusik, uh Tesvav, the Eva, Shis, Ben, Ben, Isha, Ben, Okay, well, how's that a punishment? Uh, so, he will always remember what you did to him in ancient times, Dunkle says. That's interesting. Uh, what does he mean to say this way? Clearly, this is a reference not to a snake, but to, to Yetzirah. Hu Yishufcha Rosh? Because it doesn't simply mean, you know, you'll... you'll uh, You'll hate. You'll remember what the snake did. You long go there. You will. You stay away from snakes. There's nothing special about snakes. I'm not saying this. Look at the Ben Abachaya. The Ben Abachaya says, "Ain lo no eva im hanochosh yoser mi b'sharashrotzim." Right? Is snakes per se are not more or less dangerous than scorpions or whatever? I'm not a scientist. You know, plenty of junk out there that you got to watch out for. Uh, that's why people wear shoes and boots. Now. Uh, so what's happens with the that the you know the snake? It's the Yitzhar. In other words, the original snake that tempted Eve and told her to eat from the apple from from the from the pre the Das. So he will always remember what you did to him in ancient times. The historical record is now there in the Chumash. That's the meaning. When Hashem says, Hu Yeshuv according to the Unkelis, 
So who ye docher It'll be on record. You, the snake, or you, the Yitzhahara, will not be able to say, I'm a friend of mankind. Uh, because your original action cost us the Garden of Eden. You got us kicked out. Uh, that's clearly the story over here. Whether you understand it literally, metaphorically, you know, whatever level you want to mystically, whatever level you want to do, clearly giving in to the Yitzhahara, the, the, the yielding to the temptations of the snake of the Yitzhahara, got... Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden. That's the whole story. Not only out of a utopia. Which means we could have a good world, but because of that doggone snake, because of that doggone Yetzirah, we, we have a, the opposite of a utopia. Uh, so, uh, you'll always remember, uh, uh, you know, historically, what the snake did. Therefore, you will not, as a result of the story, you will not be able to say that evil is good. Um, hear what I just said? You'll not be able to say evil is good. Uh, which you got to watch out for when that happens. Hitler came close to that, you know. Uh, but the other part is not so clear to me. That he, the, not sofa, and you, the snake, and your descendants, or you, the Yitzhahara, will watch for him to the end of time. So it sounds to me that um, the uncle is saying something very interesting, and that is that God is saying, uh, this will be a constant, the HR is going to be here to the end of time. I'll say it again, the HR is never going to go away. It's not possible, therefore, to create a utopia because the HR will always be there. You and I live in such a situation today. From the scientific point of view, we should be pretty doggone utopian. Well, let me put it this way. As I've said a million times, there's enough science and technology out there to solve all the basic problems of mankind. It is not necessary today for anyone to be hungry, to be sick, to go without shoes, and so forth. Uh, you know, not to sound uh, you know particularly arrogant or anything like this, but let's say uh, it doesn't matter which country. Let's say they put America. I'm just making this up, obviously. Let's say they put America. The whole world said, "We'll make you in charge of the world," or even Britain or something like that. I'm I'm quite serious. Uh, let's say they did that and solve all the problems of mankind. We'll put all the uh, resources out there at uh, at your disposal. Solve the problems of mankind. You could get a Herbert Hoover type guy, and he could say, "Let's let's tackle all the problems of, of hunger and poverty, and let's tackle all the problems of uh, homelessness and uh, uh, like I say, people ha- don't have clothes, and you won't have to see all these starving kids in Africa and the third world and all the rest of it." But you got to listen to what we tell you. Now the problem is, of course, they don't do that. Instead, what they do is. Um, Given to the Eight Sahara, the money gets uh, uh, you know spent the wrong way, or it gets in the dictator's pockets, or the people in these countries succumb to demagogues, and it's junk. The third world is is not a good place. Uh, in fact, their own people are the ones suffering. But I'm just saying it's not a good place because the snake is still there. You see, the Eight Sahara is still there. Uh, as he said, I take not to that sofa. The 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 the, the snake is never going away. Um, so you can't bring a utopia through science. You can introduce greater amounts of comfort to large numbers of people, but that doesn't may, mean there won't be the science. Uh, I mean, there won't be the evil, because bad dictators and bad people will use the the the, the science. No, they're still always going to have the human baseness. So 
Who have us thought that that Europe's going to have, Europe of all places going to have a war now? Russia, Ukraine. That's a Michigan's. Uh, a year ago, we would say, oh, the Europeans are past that. You know, they learned their lesson in World War II and so forth and so on. I know there are some ethnic tensions and enmities in Europe. People say, I know that. But, you know, that'll work itself out. But we were wrong. You know, we were wrong. You see, the ethnic tensions are, are as powerful as ever, at least among some ruling ruling class groups. And it's enough to make wars. Uh, it's like a repeat of World War II, you know. So, it, it, as I say again, and in the year 2022. And if that's true in Europe, Kalvachomer in Africa and Asia and these other places. So, the basic problem of evil, of Yitzhahara, of people wanting to take away from others, to hurt others, is always going to be there. This is ultimately why you can't have a solution to the Arab-Israeli crisis from a strictly logical point of view, a strictly utilitarian point of view, which is usually the approach of the U.S. government. Uh, and I mean this in a good way. I'm not saying this cynically. The American governments... I'm starting, by the way, this week, my uh, new lecture series in the early 90s, the Clinton. Uh, the American presidents have usually been pro-Israel, and they've always said, let's try to solve the Arab-Israeli problem with, uh, you know, with logic and, uh, and generosity, and let's make sure that, you know, in other words, it's a, it's a shame that there came the Arab-Israeli conflict. Let's try to settle this in a way that everybody would be the beneficiary, something along those lines. And they don't want to hear it. You know, it's the Middle East. And so they said, we want to destroy Israel. And I, I do understand where they're coming from. If I was them, I would do the same thing. So they'd rather, you know, do without and destroy Israel than do with. So that's the fort negates the horror, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's not only the Arab-Israeli conflict. As you know, there are major civil wars, as everybody knows, in Iraq and in the Syria and in Yemen and even in Saudi Arabia, if you know, and in other countries. You know, they, all, everybody's always tearing each other apart. Who was it, Hobbes, that said it's a war of everybody against everybody? I mean, you know, this is the basic gates of horror that the Pasuk is referencing, as I understand it. Now, here comes the interesting part. Who Yeshuv Harosh? Man can crush you by Rosh. So the literal meaning is a person crushes a snake by the head. That's like a famous expression. I know in Israel they always talk about this, which is, you know, if you have a terrorist group, and the guy, let's say, for example, is operating out of uh, Damascus, the head guy. And they're sending suicide bombers all the time into Israel to do stuff. And, you know, so what, what's the point? You said, well, you, you, it, you know, you, uh, uh, this, 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 you killed the suicide bomber. You prevented him. You blew up the house of his family, all the rest of it. Doesn't do any good because you didn't crush the head of the snake. That's how they talk in Israel, the Mossad language. You have to, I don't know how you say it in Hebrew, you have to crush the head of the snake, which means you got to get Osama bin Laden, the, the main guy. Uh, don't don't spend your time going after the flunkies. If you get the main guy, the whole other thing will fall apart. So I can have a huge snake that, you know, some of these snakes in Africa are humongous, right? So I don't know how long it is. Uh, sure, but if you chop off the head, the rest of it is is, is dead. If you chop off other parts of Africa, chop off the head, everything is dead. So that's a famous expression we have nowadays, which is you have to go to the source of the evil. So that's interesting already, because I'm sure the Bali Musar, I haven't seen the books, they must talk about it. You know, the Chachmas and Matzpun and all that kind of thing. Hu Yishuv Harosh. Uh, if you want to deal with the Yitzhahara, you got to go to the head of the, uh, the, 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 the source, let's say, of the problem. So first of all, that's actually psychology. Let's say, for example, 
a guy has this, I'm a guy or a girl, it doesn't matter, has this and this problem, uh, and manifests itself in this antisocial behavior or stuff like that. Let's say I'm just making this a person's uh, a bully or molester or whatever it is, which such things do exist. I'm talking about in the day school, right? And uh, uh, so what do you do? You say, well, you punish them for what they did. No, you really want to send him to a shrink who you shuv harosh. He'll go to the head. No, what does the head of this think? What is it that's go rame this particular behavior on your part? Mike turned out the guy himself was uh, molested when he was a kid. Yeah, I think you have that a lot of times. Uh, so who you shuv harosh? You got to go to the source of the problem. How come you're bullying everybody? Because because you were bullied. So if you go like that, then you crush the head of the snake. Get what I'm saying? If you go to the head of the snake and crush it. Then, then you have an answer to the problem. You, you have a, a, a way out of it. And the derech hamusser, you, ju, you, you. I mean, this is mamish what you throw salam to, and the others do, which is you have to be like Navarta again. You have to be self-analytical. What is the makor of your issue? And the person, whether I, I touch myself up, I have a problem with kas. That's how the musers would do it hundred years ago. Or you have a vod in which you know they all criticize each other, like in uh, Navardic and these other places. It ain't for me, but I, I hear the vart. Which is, you know, how come I always make this mistake in life? I always make this bad investment. And your friends, your chavrizah, will say, because you have this natia to, you know, a kin, a kas, whatever the language is. No, these are two parallel sets of uh, strategies of trying to locate the head of the snake, Yishuv Harosh, where the original problem is. In addition to that, Yishuv Harosh, um, now I'm speaking very litfish over here, you have to the only way to deal with the snake, with the with the Yitzhahara, is with the Seichel. The snake can be killed if the if the guy uses his Rosh. Doesn't mean you step on the uh, on the snake with the Rosh. If the human being uses his Rosh, the Rosh being the logic, the Seichel. Uh, everybody knows that um, bad behaviors come from a Yitzhahara. I, I think it's almost always that you know, you don't think about it. You know the the it's phony. The the you know, the Yitzhar hides in the shadows, uh, and you know makes it seem like you want to do it. So um, if you use the logic, then but not as many people are built this way, then you can overcome the Yitzhar. So just again for a simple example, suppose the guy's uh, smoking. Uh, everybody knows that smoking is bad. Uh, I think everybody listens to this podcast. I mean, you know, I know anti-vaxxers. I know there are people who don't believe in the smoking is going to cause lung cancer. So uh, if the person focuses logically on that, then they'll say, I guess, why am I risking my life? Uh, but we don't. Instead, the HRA assumes the form that it's really me, myself, and I want the pleasure of the smoking or it brings me relief or or uh, re- relaxes my tensions, whatever the many reasons people use for smoking. Again, I'm just using one example. I could do this for any other kind of uh, bad behavior, uh, you know, addictive behavior of any sort, self-destructive behavior. Doesn't matter. If you, who you shuv charosh, if you apply the rosh to logic, then you can crush the head of the snake. But obviously, I taught Tushim and okay, but the snake always goes to the heel, meaning the, the heel is the other opposite end of the body. And not only that, but in Jewish tradition, as we all know from Parshas Ekev Tishma'un, the Ekev is the famous sim- symbol in Chazal of inattention. In other words, not attention, 
but the reverse of attention, which in English you call inattention, lack of attention. Uh, as long as you have a person that's inattentive, uh, you'll, the snake will always be able to bite you. We call the heel. You get what I'm saying? You know, like uh, uh, the mitzvahs, uh, what does it mean, the, the, the misses that you crush with your heel? Through inattention, right? which you do a lot of times. Most of the time, most people are okay, and they don't want to say Lashon Hara. But, you know, you start talking about this, you end up with that, and uh, next thing you know, it's a Lashon Hara situation. Uh, we're all like that. Now, wait a second. Uh, if somebody would have said... Does this fall into the area of Lashon Hara? Chances are, you probably would stop that conversation. Uh, if the guy wasn't a jerk. You know, I mean, sometimes people have this turn-off way of saying, oh, this is Lashon Hara, I'm leaving. But let's say you had a regular friend who was a normal guy, or a normal girl, whatever the case is, and she says, you know, this may be a conversation we might not want to continue. Uh, you know, said it in a diplomatic way that it appeals to you, it's not insulting. Then you'll say, I guess, you want to know something? You're absolutely right. Let's let's move on to something else. What happened? Ata Tishman cave. When there was inattention, we're just talking, shooting the bull, then you ended up by doing Avera, with giving into the snake. But who you shoot But when you put your rosh on it, when you think about it, all of a sudden, you know, uh you said, you know, why why do what do I need this Avera for? I mean let's put it this way. If this is really juicy Loshanhara and it's something really no gay to you, you might say, heck with it, I'll do it. But most of the time, you lost Well, you heard about Plony and Almoni, and this one had to fight with his wife, and that one, the kid, eh, like, you know, why are you burning hell for somebody you don't even know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's not like it's such a great Lashon Hara. So, uh, unless you live a life in which your access to, like, really juicy Lashon Hara, then, you know, it's a, perhaps more of a temptation. Most of the time, it's a grade B level Lashon Hara, not grade A level Lashon Hara. Uh, so, who is Rosh? Cave. Now, I got to say that I was interested in this subject. I didn't see much in the Mepharshim that, you know, I don't want to say didn't impress me, but didn't, didn't make a Roshim on me. And so I opened the art scroll, which I have, uh, you know, Genesis Bracious. They have the two five volumes, which I remember years ago they published. Well, I consider to be very good work. For some reason, I remember I was in the art scroll office. They said that one didn't sell, which is, uh, you know, an Oilam Golem type thing. And he has here a paragraph which I did not see in the Ramban. He says, Man will wield the advantage in the conflict between himself and the serpent, for man will pound the serpent's head, but the serpent will bruise him in the very heel with which man crushes his brain. And he has Ramban. I don't see that in the Ramban. Uh, the, uh, maybe, I, maybe I missed it or something like that. But uh, the Ramban just says, She autumn Alecha, who you we are told to Shubenet Rakba Kevo. I, uh, but I understand that to be pointing out to something very interesting. Imagine if I went, if I saw a snake, and imagine if I was barefoot, as people often were in those days, or wore sandals or whatever, and I went to 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 step on the snake, to crush the head, but the snake was ready for me, and so as I lifted up my foot to step on the snake, the snake shot up and bit my foot. Get my point? So it may even be that I end up banging and killing the snake, but meanwhile, the snake killed me. Uh, which, to me, sounds like the following. You know, those famous Gemaras which say like this, don't put yourself in temptation. 
Remember, I forget who it is, two rabbis walking down the road and said, let's go by the base nose and we'll show the Mitzgabra over the Yitzhahara. The other guy said, no, thank you. <laughs> right? I don't want to go in a muck of a temptation. That's like, who Yishuv Kharosh, Atatosh, Shemeno, Kev. In the process of trying to crush the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara might get you first. In the process of trying to get the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara might get you first. Which is why the firm way is like to avoid this stuff altogether. Uh, that's just very interesting because it is true if you think in the physical world, a person tries to kill a, the snake, the snake might get him first. Who you should No, not necessarily. I thought you should have cave. And so, uh, Hashem is saying to Yitzhar over here, I'm laying out as a result of sin of Adam and Eve the future of, me, of human history, which will be characterized by who you should I thought you should cave. It might be also true, and this I was thinking because we're doing this as a condition with somebody who was a professor. Uh, it's, and, and you know, who you should have I thought you should cave. Uh, it sounds like intellectual challenges to religion and faith and that sort of thing. Haven't totally worked that out in my mind, but you hear where it's going. Who Yishuv Kharosh, that it may be possible for a person using the intellect to crush the evil inclination. I talked to Shemana Kev, but you got to watch out. Because sometimes you get into these things and it bites you first. So imagine a guy who's like this I'm going to understand my Zabracious. I'm going to delve into it very deeply uh, and understand my sabracious, which is a very difficult thing to understand. Because how do you get Yeshmiyayin and so forth? And as you know, the sages in the Talmud say, stay away from my sabracious. Correct? Whatever it is over there in the beginning of second Parachagig, everybody knows that. So, um, what's the reason? You get into this stuff, you might end up losing your faith. So a person might say, well, so what? Uh, I'll follow wherever my logic takes me. And how's it go? Let justice be done, though the heavens fall. You know, it's the hell with it. Damn the torpedoes and full steam ahead. Not necessarily. If you end up losing your faith at the end, and you end up, you know, where your children are, are all not Jewish anymore and so forth, uh, who won? You engaged in an encounter with the Yitzhahara, but the Yitzhahara in, in, in the long run prevailed. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? Who uh, Yishuv Harosh? that the guy might try to crush you through logic, through intellect, through academics, through, uh, you know, the power of, of, uh, of uh, logical thought. But don't worry, I talked to Shemena Cave. Chances are you'll bite him. Uh, and we've seen that happen a lot of times. So that's exactly the type of people the Rambam wrote as guy for the perplexed. These are the perplexed he was talking about. Uh, that's why the firm world today is so anti-intellectual. Uh, right? I mean, the firm world is pretty doggone anti-intellectual. The yeshiv world is super anti-intellectual because um, they're afraid. You know? Who yeshiv charosh? Not necessarily. The snake will get you. Uh, and I'm sure, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure there's a lot of yeshiva guys that probably, you know, went online and said, I'm going to come up with all the answers to all the upper courses, all the rest of it. Well, guess what happened in the end? So, I'm trivializing what's a serious matter, but I think I'm doing so for the purpose rhetorically getting across a point. I see I've gone a little over the time regular, so I'll just end by calling your attention. Maybe you can see something in it that I didn't see it, and I certainly didn't see all the Mepharsham on it, but it strikes me a very interesting kind of business, this business, with who Yishuv Chorosh V'atah Cave. It's definitely saying more than watch out for snakes and rodents. With that, I bid you a good week. I want to thank once again the Leibowitz family for sponsoring this and 
uh, off we go. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.